This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. That changed my whole way of thinking. They called me a wimp. I did not care. I did not care. I'm sorry. Hey, Casey. Hey, Bill. It's been a while since we last chatted. One week. We took one week off. We were gone one week. We were probably recovering from that last show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was hung over for about a week and a half. So you were recovering from that last show. Not me, my friend. Oh, don't pull that shit. Don't pull that you weren't high and sounded as crazy <laughs> as I did. I love that. Why did why do weed smokers always go, no, man, I didn't get high at all. Like you always like to deny that you got high. The whole point of smoking weed is to get high. You should be like, fuck yeah, I got high. That was why I was doing it. I'm not denying that I was high. I was high as a kite. <laughs> I don't get hung over from smoking weed. Okay. Yeah, there was one point at the end of that uh, that uh, segment we were recording. I'm like, how the fuck are we going to land this plane? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, that I'll tell you how we we land the plane. The movie ends. <laughs> yeah, we're just like we're looking at each other. I know there were a few times where I just thought it was funny to uh, get up and. Uh, like, go make another drink and just leave you there alone. <laughs> you were looking over at me like, you asshole, get the fuck out there. I'm glad you thought that was funny, because I didn't. It's all about amusing me at the end of the day. Apparently. No, that was crazy. I, I was a, It was a mix of drunk and high, I'll be honest with you, but I was definitely more drunk. I, I only had three whiskeys. I always have three whiskeys. I had three whiskeys, and that knocked me the fuck down. Now, this is medical marijuana. We're in Pennsylvania, folks, and we both have our medical marijuana cards. Nothing to worry about. No no illegal activities here. Yeah. Don't knock on my door. Try to get uh, me arrested. <laughs> so, uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback, Bill, on uh, a bunch of our episodes. Good or bad? Well, it's mixed. There's mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something I want to address. I found that people love our chit-chat. And they love our interviews, but what they don't like Uh is when we chit-chat before we have an interview. So I think since we're interviewing someone today, we should just stick to our guest and what they're about, and then we'll get right into the interview. All right. Where where did you uh, do this market research? How much uh, feedback did you get here? I got a few, a few people have said. <laughs> well, it sounds good to me. At least a little bit of uh, organization and consistency. Our show could probably use a little bit of it. Sure. Yeah, and I, I, I understand where they're coming from. All right. So today we're talking about? Today, sir, we are talking to the legend Bill Duke, who everyone knows, I'm sure, from Commando and Predator. But he's also a director. He's directed a lot of TV shows. He's directed a bunch of movies, including Sister Act 2, a movie called Deep Cover with Jeff Goldblum 
and Lawrence Fishburne. It's a great movie. He directed a movie about the first black female FBI agent, Johnny Mae Gibson, FBI it's called. Great movie. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, and, and of course, he's from Commando that we just watched the other week on our uh, watch along. He was also a director for certain TV shows like Dallas, Hill Street Blues, Miami Vice, and Starman. And we talked to him all about uh, a lot of this in the interview. One of his famous lines from, from one of his movies that we talk about during the interview is from Menace to Society. And I think everybody knows it. You know you done fucked up, right? <laughs> well, if we're being honest with everybody, Bill, I done fucked up. <laughs> what did you do? So as, as everyone I think knows by now, our interviews are pre-recorded. And then we come back and record a little intro after the uh, interview. And for the first question, question that Bill asked Bill during our interview, I didn't hit record, buddy. No way. <laughs> oh. Yeah. We missed Bill's first question to Bill. So the question that Bill starts with in the interview is actually the second question. It was about a three-minute miss on my part, and I apologize to Bill. Bill Duke, I apologize to you, Bill Seabold. I'm sorry to our fans. Won't happen again. Do you remember what your first question was, Bill? No, I don't remember it, unfortunately. It's now lost to the, to the, uh, to the void. Well, I remember it. And it was, it was pretty much about how Bill got his start in acting. So I can, I can sort of answer that question because I've been reading Bill Duke's book, my 40-year career on screen and behind the camera. That's a big book. How thick is it? It's big. There's, a little, there's some pictures in there, though, of Bill when he was, Bill when he was a, young, a young lad. It's a really great book. And he had a, uh, you know, he had a rough childhood coming up, but it, it shows the, how he overcame everything. He grew up in Poughkeepsie, New York. You know, eventually moved to Hollywood, and I'm about halfway through it, and it's a it's a really great book. I highly recommend it for uh, anyone that's a fan of Bill to uh, to get it. There's a lot of laughs, you know. There's a lot of uh, sad times that you know you almost want to cry at, uh, but he he knows how to turn everything around, and yeah, it's really great. I I really recommend it. These are the types of books that I like, like biographies of people, uh, autobiographies, stuff like that. Did he write it himself, or did he have a, uh, a co-author or a biographer? I think he wrote this by himself. There's no, uh, there's no other names on on it anywhere except for the publisher. He talks about it in the interview. I mean, he's a he's an artist through and through. He's very creative. Likes to create. Absolutely, man. One of the problems um, with the audio. So just to warn everybody. So when we when we connected with Bill, we started right away. Bill was wearing a mask. You know, we're still in the the pandemic. I don't know if somebody was in the room. I don't know if it's just, you know, he, he feels safer wearing the mask. So the audio is a little muffled. Uh, I, I tried to do my best to save it. So I think I did an okay job. But if you're wondering why the sound might sound a little uh, muffled, it's now you know. If you're not watching our video and you're just listening on the podcast, now you know. I think it sounds great. You do. You always do a great job of uh, editing the uh, the audio, mastering the audio. Learn it as we go. 
he, you know, there was some really good moments. He really had us laughing pretty good at this interview. Yeah, this was a fun one. This was, this was a fun one for me. I really, uh, I really like this guy. And uh, so hope everyone else enjoys the interview as much as we did. Uh, I'm just going to do a couple of plugs here and then we'll, uh, we'll get right into it. You can find us on Twitter at Deluxe Edition Pod with one E. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the same thing. Find us on Facebook, Deluxe Edition, yet another pop culture podcast. Uh, we have a website, deluxeedition.show, but two E's in that one. Right, Bill? I love it. It's like a game show. It's like a puzzle. We, we should have had every one of our social handles should have been missing one letter. <laughs> And then at the end, they all add up to Deluxe Edition. <laughs> all of wow, all of them together spelled Deluxe Edition. That would have we we are not that <laughs> would have been terrible for our uh, for our marketing for our branding. But that would have yeah, been as someone who owns a marketing company. <laughs> yeah, whoops, I didn't. <laughs> I should have thought of that. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, you can find us at all those places, and all that stuff will be at the bottom of the screen here. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you like our, our videos, or subscribe anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And uh, even if you don't listen to us on iTunes, head over there and find us on iTunes. You can go uh, on any computer and uh, leave us a review because, for some reason, iTunes controls everything, and uh, we need iTunes reviews to move up the ladder. So. They, they really help us a lot. So it's kind of like our ratings, even when we're getting guests, sometimes they're looking at that. Yeah. And you know, a personal note from, I know Casey feels the same, like everybody listening. Thank you so much. We are still fairly new and sort of feeling our way through this whole podcast world, but we work on it really hard talking about how to improve. Like I was joking earlier, you know, in this one, but you know, all the feedback that we get, we definitely are listening so that we can shape the show and get a better show. But there are so many shows out there. Um, we could, Definitely use your help spreading the word. Tell your friends if you think we're good. Downloads and, and subscriptions, download and click and subscribe are really like the metrics that we can uh, use to move up the ladder a little bit. More uh, listeners we get, the more guests we can get. Sometimes the bigger guests, hopefully the bigger guests. So we're kind of, you know, hoping you could help us with our journey here and we can all enjoy this road together. Ride. Yeah. Ride, not road. Right. Ride. Let's enjoy the ride together. Yeah, and everyone, uh, check out our Facebook uh, group, our group page. I think it's uh, Deluxe Edition, yet another pop culture podcast, The Group. And uh, try to get more interactions in there. We're doing a thing now on all of our shows with uh, fan questions. So I'll be posting when we get these guests uh, their picture and, you know, if anyone has any fan questions. And I think that's been a, a favorite part of the of the show for a lot of the guests. They, they seem to enjoy those fan questions. So if you see anyone that, uh, that you like that we're interviewing, or if you have any suggestions for anyone that you'd like us to interview, feel free to message us or uh, drop it on the, just even a picture or something on the fan, on the group. Yeah, smoke signals. You can fly a plane and, and do some skywriting. However, however you communicate, we'll listen. Absolutely. We're on the No Phony Podcast Network, so uh, check them out. There's a lot of great other podcasts on our network. Anything else, Bill? No, we, we have to learn how to get snappier with the plugs. I think we have a lot. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. We'll be okay. We're, we're doing good. We're doing pretty damn good. And uh, that's it. We'll get into the interview with Bill Duke.
the creation of things is interesting to you. Is that how you became an actor and then a director as well? It was the passion. I never found anything I was passionate about. And uh, as you guys know, you enjoy what you do. Most of the people I grew up with, and I celebrate them for this, but they worked 35, 40 years in jobs they hated, but they fed their families, they paid their bills, sent their kids to college, but they died very soon after that. I wanted to be involved in something that I felt I wanted to do. And that's really what kept me going through the segregation, through all the other things I went through, because I had a passion for it. That makes any sense. Is it important to leave behind a legacy, or is it more important to just create things? Do you need to be remembered, or is it just about, I was able to take care of this, and it's more of a personal thing? Uh, I think we have a, a responsibility to leave our children a better world than we inherited. And I think that many of us are irresponsible. There are three quotes that I love. One is aspire to inspire before you expire. (laughs) The second quote is, if a man does not seek humility, humility will seek the man. And the third one is, in your lifetime, you will never see a smaller package than a person wrapped up in themselves. So, yeah, I try to live by that. I, I believe that there's something much larger and more important than our ego. And I'm a believer in God, and um, ego, E-G-O, stands for edging God out. And I think life is very short, and what we do on this planet in the time that we're here is not just about us. It's about something much larger than us. And I think that the intellect is overestimated. There's something far beyond the intellect. So my, my wish is to give our children, if I have a legacy, if you want to call it that, I want to aspire them and inspire them. Uh, I mean, you're recognized everywhere, I bet, when you walk around. Everybody's, everybody's seen you. They know you from something. How does that feel? That's got to feel pretty cool. It is. And I'm much appreciative of the people who love my work and have seen me and their, their appreciation of me and what I'm doing and what I've done. I hold that in high, high, high regard because uh, they don't have to. <laughs> but they do because they care about what I'm doing, and uh, I'm appreciative of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a kid from the eighties. Like you've been, you're always a tough guy, (laughs) which I love it. I love it. Whether you're a a tough bad guy or a tough like cop, like you're, (laughs) were you somebody like, were you tough? Were you a, could you get into a fight and and punch your way out of it? Were you as scary as you came across in all your roles? I was a wimp. (laughs) You were a wimp? Yes. (laughs) Oh no, that's impossible to believe. No, I, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't enjoy fighting or anything, but, you know, one of my martial arts teachers taught me something that I never forgot. He said that if a man confronts you and wants to fight you, run away from him as fast and hard as you can. He said, but if he chases you and catches you, 
make sure he never chases you again. Hmm. See, you're running, you're running away to protect him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you took martial arts training? Yes. Yes. Was that for, for roles or was it earlier, like before you got into acting? It was uh, after I got into acting, but it, the discipline of martial arts, um, being able to defend yourself, being able to not be afraid, is very, very important. And I think martial arts are seen in a way they shouldn't be seen because whether it's Tai Chi or Qigong or whatever, it's something that drives you inwardly. It's not about beating people up. And a lot of people say, okay, I want to take martial arts and kick somebody's butt. That's not what martial arts is about. It's about defending yourself if necessary, but strengthening yourself in terms of mind, body, and spirit. So you used no martial arts when fighting Arnold Schwarzenegger in commando. Well, they wouldn't let me. They paid me not to. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. What do you like better? Do you like directing or acting better? I like them both. But directing gives me the ability to have a voice. You know, I can work on a script and develop the script with the writers. I can influence performance. I, I can choose things that I want to talk about. And so directing is very important to me. But I love acting, but directing is something I really, really am passionate about. Is there a difference between, and this goes for acting too, is there a difference between working on a movie and working on a TV show? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, working on a movie as an actor, you're saying, or director? Well, we can, yeah, we can, we can either ask as an actor or a director. Because I, I, I noticed in your, in your credits, there's a lot of TV shows and you popped in and did like one episode. You directed one episode. And I think that's interesting because you have to jump into a, a, a show that's already got character development. It's already got depth. And then you have to sort of follow along for your episode. It seems like a harder directing job. And I'm kind of curious why you, why you have done it that way. Well, there are TV shows that I've loved and I wanted to be a part of. And so I accepted those jobs. And I was probably the first black director ever on some of those shows. But working in TV and working in film, if you're a director and you have a film that you're working on, you usually get mm, a minimum of three to four weeks of preparation and uh, maybe five weeks or more of shooting, and then it's post-production. In TV, you get seven days of prep and seven days of shoot. Oh, wow. That's it. Because it's been established what the the platform of the show is, the characters, and you can give your input, but it's minimal because the final cut is not yours. It's the cut of the network in terms of editing. In terms of acting on a TV show, I cannot even begin to tell you. It's like, okay, it's an actor for a feature film. I'm getting ready to do a feature film in like six weeks. I got the script two weeks ago, so that means I have two months to prep. 
In TV, while I'm acti- acting in this episode, I'm memorizing the lines for the next episode. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's a totally different, rea- different reality. I love both, but I'm just saying in terms of acting, TV is extremely challenging, but it really gives you a... You, you really have to get into the craft of it, and it's, it's, it's very powerful if you can master it. Very cool. Who were the who were the performers that you really uh, admired who shaped your work? You spoke about a few earlier, but as you went on in your career, did you find that your influences changed both on the acting and directors directing side? As I moved on, people like the great Michael Schultz, one of the first black directors that really established so much for us as black directors. I'll tell you, the directors of some of my favorite films, Citizen Kane, that was something that really put in my head the message of the film, but the visuals of the film. I think that was his first directing it, I think. Yeah, that film noir style. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that was, I think, brilliant. Later on, Run, Lola, Run. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw Run, Lola, Run, but no. It was a work of genius. I mean, I, 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 I'd never seen a film like that in my life. I mean, we're talking about using film, animation. Uh, we're talking about taking every kind of visual platform and combining it into one movie. I mean, I, I'd never seen that before. And it opened my mind to the possibilities. And then... Um, <laughs> I was working on a film acting-wise after I graduated from AFI with uh, the great, great director, Sam Fuller. And we were in Brussels, Belgium, I think it was, and I was acting in the film. And at AFI, it's a, you know, Tony Bellani was heading it then, and and they taught us so much about filmmaking. And uh, I I, I got my entire foundation there. But when I was working uh, with... um, with him, Sam Fuller, was shooting a scene one day and I'm interrogating this gentleman and there's a glass top to the desk and there's a camera under the desk looking up at me and the person I'm interrogating. At AFI was taught there's uh, several camera positions. One is the master, then a two-shot closer, then overs and singles. And once you go go into overs and singles, it's always from whoever you're shooting at, shooting from point of view. So, you know, you're shooting from their point of view. And that's where the camera goes. Like The camera becomes their eyes. So this great masterful director that I worship has the camera under the desk. And so one day, so after the scene's finished, I say, Mr. Fuller, I'd like to ask you a question. I said, I'm confused. He's, I said, you know, I just got an AFI. And they told me after the master and the two are, that, you know, you have to have the camera from somebody's point of view. And there's, I said, there's no actor under the desk. 
And he said, um, you know, young man, you're right. You always have to have the camera from somebody's point of view. And you know whose point of view that is under the desk? My damn point of view. <laughs> <laughs> that, changed, that changed my whole way of thinking about directing. Because <laughs> before that, I had no point of view, you know? And he changed that in just that one phrase, that one sentence. Wow. The power of words. That's awesome. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're, you're known now as being somebody who's very inspirational. Can you tell us a little bit about your foundation? Something that I'm proud of being a part of. I've been doing it for around 10 years or so. And if you want to see what we're doing, you can go to dukemediafoundation.org, dukemediafoundation.org. What we do is take young people from different communities, mostly many impoverished sometimes communities, who are interested in the media business. And we teach two things. Media literacy, which is the transition from film and television into media, Hulu, Crackle, Netflix, Google, whatever it is. And we teach the directing and storytelling element in terms of how do you tell a story? What is a story? What's the beginning, middle, and end when you're writing for these platforms, etc.? And we teach them the business of the industry in terms of, you know, you have passion, but you have a strategy in terms of making your investor their money back. Because when you go into most pitches these days, what the investor or studio network wants to know basically is how in the hell you're going to make me my money back. Right, right. And a lot of young people going, this is about my grandfather and grandmother and slavery or history. And okay, okay. And you're listening, they're, they're listening for your, to answer that question. Right. You know, yeah. Where's my, what's my ROI going to be? That's All right. that artsy fartsy stuff we got. What am, what am I going to get out of this? That's exactly right. And we teach them that. The second thing we teach them is financial literacy. A lot of young people, know how to spend money, but no one ever teaches them how to use money. So we teach them about the stock market. What are stocks and bonds? What are these? What is the FDIC? What is debt? What is credit? What is investment? How do you leverage dollars for the future? So we teach those basic two things. And uh, we accept students uh, from 10 to 12, 15 students four times a year, and um, we teach them those two things. So if anybody's interested in helping them, please donate. You can go to the website again and check it out because we feel that we, how can I say, it's not just about us. It's about the future. What are we leaving our children? And um, passion without strategy is called frustration. So we want to give them strategies and knowledge about the industry, but also about survival. I hope you have a book of quotes coming out soon because you've got some amazing lines there. That's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I wanted to jump back, back into a little bit of your uh, directing career. I saw that uh, in your IMDb, you directed a, uh, two films I couldn't find uh, 
anywhere called The Hero and Flag. Uh, the Hero was, I guess, your first movie that you directed, right? It was um, out of AFI. And that was my AFI movie. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story that you'll find interesting, I think. It, it got a couple of recognitions and awards and stuff. And I took it around to every studio, every network, because I wanted to get a directing job coming out of AFI. And he said, no, 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 no. We'll give you your second job maybe, but we're not going to take a chance on the first. So I go away. I do transcendental meditation. I was, I was depressed. and went to a meditation retreat. And uh, my agent calls me and says, Bill, you should come back right away. I said, why? He says, what? We got to a meeting with David Jacobs over at Knott's Landing. I said, what? So I go and I come back as fast as I can to LA. And that Monday, I go to David Jacobs' office. He sits down with me, and the meeting lasts like five or 10 minutes. And I go back to my agent, the president said, You know, that was just, you know, I don't know, he's, I don't know if he's doing you a favor or whatever, but a five or 10 minute meeting. Uh, Five days later, my agent calls me and says, Bill, sit down. I said, what? David Jacobs wants you to direct an episode of Knott's Landing. I went crazy. I called everybody I knew. I was so happy, right? So on my last day of pre-production, I think it was Joe Wallenstein, who was the producer then, comes into my office and says, Bill, I know you're, you know you're going to be great at what you did, what you did. Directing this because your pre-production was great, and we can tell by your reel. I said, "What reel?" So, well, well, the reel that you sent in for your other shows. I said, "I said no, I just got a." Kind of he said, "Wait a minute." He goes into David Jacobs' office. He comes back and he's laughing. He said, "Bill, David mixed up your reel with somebody else's." <laughs> That's how I got my first television job. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> but they, they still they gave you the job, though, still, right? Well, they followed me around for three days uh, to make sure I was going to do it, right? But, yeah, I came back to do more, too. That's great. So then you did a lot of TV shows after that, after that and then I saw your next movie – after that was in 1986 and it was called Johnny Mae Gibson, FBI. Yes. Uh, I just watched it the other day. Great story that I had ne- never heard of. Uh, I, I found it on YouTube. I'm not sure if it's available anywhere else, but how did you get selected for that role? To be honest with you, I don't forget all that. I don't remember all the details of that, but I, I really love the concept and the vision of it. And it was innovative in a sense based on a true story. And I wanted to tell that about, you know, this woman doing what she did. I thought she should be recognized. But um, I think my agents got me that job. Yeah, it's a good story. Good, uh, very good movie. Uh, if anyone wants to check it out. So like I said, I found it on YouTube. It's about Thank the you. first uh, black FBI, female FBI. Uh, yes, agent. yes. It's a really good story. All right, so uh, we'll get into a lot of a lot of uh, you still have a lot of fans out there, and uh, we got a bunch of uh, fan questions. So uh, we'll get into those. One from Dale Niehaus: Is there any one role 
that you if you could still play that uh, you haven't done, what would it be? Wow. You know, I there's a movie coming out on Showtime about uh, John Brown and um, his relationship with Frederick Douglass. I always wish I could, I always admired Frederick Douglass and what he did for our culture and for the world. And I wish I could have done something like that. Like a historical role, some, some sort of historical role. Yeah. That has relevance, you know? Sure. Be interesting to play a superhero that can fly. (laughs) (laughs) But, but at my, at my age, I don't think that's going to be believable. Uh, But there are so certain things that I like thinking outside of the box, you know, uh, because um, it's like you know you you think outside of the box, you grow. You know? And so sure. that's one thing I always wanted to be able to do. But specific roles, I have to think about that one. <laughs> All, right. All right, we have another one here from uh, Justin Bena Benavidez. Sorry if I mispronounced that. What was the favorite time behind the camera as opposed to in front of the camera? I guess your favorite role directing as opposed to your favorite role acting. Wow. I, um, I love what I do, so that's a hard one. But I, I, I will say, in terms of results, I loved working on Deep Cover. Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldstein and also Hoodlum, you know, because there were, you know, it was, I like what the movies had to say. I love the script. I love working with the crew and cast and the writers. It's always a collaboration, you know. Sure. And so I had great collaborations on those projects, and so I really loved them both. Deep cover. Pardon me? Deep Cover was great. I just watched that the other day, too. Well, thank you. Great movie. Thank you. you. What are you most recognized for? I mean, you are so memorable to me because I watched Predator probably a billion times in my life growing up. When when people recognize you, what do you think they're recognizing you mostly from? Is there one thing or is it it many things probably? Well, this this is going to be surprising. Predator and Commando are number two to one film I did. And this line is quoted to me when I go to different parts of the world by young people all over the world. And that's from Minister Society. And I'm interrogating this young boy and he's lying and I catch him in the lie and I say to him, no, you're not fucked up, right? Now you see now, you know, fucked up, you know that, don't you? People come up to me. It's amazing. They just look and say, Mr. Duke. I said, well, yeah, no, you don't fucked up, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> out, of everything, out of everything I've done, <laughs> that's the line they remember. Wow. <laughs> yeah, when I, posted the, when I posted that we were going to be talking to you, that quote came up. Quite a few. Get out of here, real. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 
I tell you, that, that that's amazing. That's amazing. Kyle Patton wants to know, uh, was any of the film Predator filmed with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme that you know of? Or was he, was, was that all, uh, was he gone from the film before any of it started actually shooting? No, no, no. Jean-Claude uh, Van Damme, you know the story, right? What happened, right? I know he was he was like throwing a fit or something about the suit, right? Like he, he no, 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 no. What happened was is that in the beginning of filming, he was the predator, and he had been dressed in this felt suit and on wires and flown through trees on wires. And we were in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and um, it was sometimes over a hundred degrees heat with humidity. And he would get so dehydrated, he passed out twice. Oh. And so the producer went over to him and said, hey, man, you can't pass out again because you're losing, we're losing time and money on you. And he said, I'm not passing out on purpose. I'm dehydrated. The producer says, I don't want no excuses. You better not pass out again. He went on for two weeks, passed out for the third time. Producer goes over to him and says, you're fired. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, that is definitely not the version I heard. That's, it's funny how things go that way. I mean, the story I've always heard was, you know, he threw a fit about, I've, I've literally heard that he threw a fit because his face was being covered. And your story makes a heck of a lot more sense. Yeah. He yeah. passed out three times. Wow. So is some of the is he actually in some of the movie as, as a no no wow no no the, the 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 predator that they went with was a totally different character he didn't look like the, the John Quill was a was a smaller he had lasers coming out you know shooting da, 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 da. when they built this other predator it was the guy thing that was he was a dancer he was like almost seven foot tall um it was a totally different character. Wow. Really? So the, even the costume was different? Uh, totally. Didn't know yeah, that. Totally. No, totally. <laughs> well, so to stick on the uh, Predator for now, uh, Blake Mills wants to know how fun was the minigun scene? Uh, what was, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun, but what people don't know is that the special effects guys... The, Seeing the gunfire is one thing, but it was if we fired in the jungle to try to kill the predator and to show the power of the bullets, all these bushes and trees were blown away, right? These special effects guys took weeks and weeks. They cut all of the trees and the bushes in half put an explosive pellet in the middle and glued them back together. Oh, my God. So when you saw all those things go, when we were firing, we had this board, and they went through it, and then the explosions happened. It took weeks for them to do that. Oh, wow. So one shot, that was it. That was it. Wow. What happens if, like, they take the film back to the film processor and – you know, it was totally overexposed and unusable. <laughs> Does that stuff ever happen back in the days of film? Sometimes, you know, it's like 
you know, it depends upon the DP and your relationship with DP. Yes, director of photography. Uh, but sometimes when you're rushed and you don't have time to set up things you want to set them up the way you want to, things can go wrong. So put it that way. Wow. All right, so Zen John Peters wants to know what was with the dry shaving so much in Predator? <laughs> that, that was just something writ- written in the movie, but uh, I, I imagine, right? Well, they, he, he, he allowed, the director allowed me to have some freedom. And so, you know, we, were, we started shaving and I stopped and pushed. That was something that I felt instinctively. So, John McTurney is a great, great, great director and great visualist. And so we, we collaborated with that. So at the point where the, the razor broke, you said, I, I want to do this. I want to press here. Yeah. And is, is the cut that's underneath, is that makeup or did you really do it? No, no, that's makeup. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's makeup, thank God. <laughs> All right. So Mike Dovenberger wants to know, do you have any good stories from the set of Action Jackson? It was just like a, a pleasure working with Carl Weathers. I was trying his first directing assignment. And we had worked on Predator together. It was like more of a friendship relationship, which was really great, man. It's like, he's a brilliant guy, great actor, great director. And, um, just loved working with him. Kyle Patton, back to Kyle Patton. He's got a couple more questions here. Uh, was it entertaining or annoying to work with so many tough guys on the set? Was everyone, was there like always like a competition or was it, uh, was it all fun, fun games with all the, like Jesse Ventura and Arnold? And It was one of the best times I've ever had. We were in conditions that we cannot even explain in the middle of the jungle, part of up in the mountains of Puerto Vallarta, we were trained by these these seals crawling on the ground on our stomachs. We're talking about scorpions. We're talking about coral snakes. We're talking about all this stuff that could kill you, and we survived it. But one of the most interesting things when we got there the first week. The caterer put netting around the food tent. But um, every time we got our meal, there were bugs in the food. He said, take this crap back. We're not eating this. There's bugs in it. And he was saying, listen, we're in the middle of the jungle. I'm doing the best I can. But, you know, I can't do anything more. And so by the second week, it was called protein. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So, so were you guys can't like camping out there, like for for filming, or would would you get hauled back to a hotel or something somewhere? Back to the hotel okay. every day. But um, one of the most amazing things that is not told: Arnold bought out all the ballrooms in the hotel and turned them into gyms. Oh. And you had to be on the set by seven o'clock in the morning or seven thirty. So all the guys, because they were all workout, you know, they're bodybuilders and stuff, right? They would get up at, say, 4 in the morning. They would run 5 to 8 miles. 
come back, work out in the gym for an hour and eat breakfast and then go to the set. Wow. I did it three times. <laughs> and they talked about me so bad. They called me a wimp. I did not care. I did not care. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's funny. So I have a question. Well, no, one more from Kyle Patton. He wants to know about uh, Sonny, Sonny uh, Landham. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Uh, he's heard rumors that they had to have Wranglers on set because he, he wanted to fight everyone. Is that true? No, he didn't want to fight everybody. Sonny was just a free spirit. You know, he was just like, sometimes he would drink a little bit and go to clubs and stuff, and they had to drag him out, whatever it is. But uh, he, 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 he was great, great, great people. And, and we, we all got along, man. It, it was great. Because we, we were bonded by the conditions we ran. I mean, you know, the, the bonds that you saw in the film were real because it was like, we're talking about all those uniforms and stuff in the, in, up in the mountains with like 100 degrees. It was insane. So I have one, I have a, one last question and then we'll uh, plug the book. In Deep Cover, you directed Deep Cover with uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Jeff Goldblum. The pimp in that movie, I just watched it the other day. Was that you throwing the, the Arnold quotes in there, or did the writer already have that in there, or did you throw that in there as like a, a – because you were friends with Arnold? I, I think the writer already put that in. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, anyone uh, wants to check out Bill Duke's book – uh, you can get it on Amazon, right, Bill? Yes. And, Thank uh, you so much. Yes, it's my life. Four years in front of behind the camera, and I try to give nuggets of information for people coming into the industry based on my history and um, just trying to give them some understanding of what they're going to face, some solutions. Great. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your time. You've done great work. You're still doing great work. And we are extremely appreciative of your time and, and you know, letting us, you know, see some of the things that you've seen. So thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Great show. Great questions. And uh, really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Bill. And just uh, real quick, just plug, uh, do all your plugs. Where Your websites. Are you on Cameo or anything like that where people can find you? Yes, you're going to go on Cameo. Uh, please check out, again, as I said before, my foundation. Uh, DukeMediaFoundation.org online and uh, those, those are my passions. Thank you, sir. We appreciate this. All the best, guys, and thank you. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good right. day. You too. Now you see now, you know, fucked up, you know that, don't you?